following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 820 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the irascibly talented, scholarly, and lovely Brittany Page. Well, we're doing an August Patreon giveaway, and we want to... We have bent the knee to the rules of Patreon. We had to adjust our rules a bit just to make sure we were within the parameters of what is accepted on Patreon. But it still means that we are giving away six pieces of merch from our Teespring store. So there are going to be six lucky winners that we're going to draw randomly on September 1st. Now, there are three ways that you can enter to win the August Patreon giveaway. The first is if you're an existing Patreon supporter before July 31st, you don't have to do anything. You're already entered into the competition for three pieces of free merch. So we will draw three people, three lucky winners from the existing Patreon pool of supporters that were there prior to July 31st of this year. Then we have people who became a supporter after that period. So anytime during the month of August from the 1st to the 30th, if you become a Patreon supporter of any amount, Any amount, whether it is monthly, whether it is annual, you will be entered to win one of three pieces of merch. And this is a completely separate drawing from the previous already Patreon patrons. Correct. (laughs) Now, in order to be in compliance with the rules on Patreon, we have to open it to everybody. So it is open to everybody. The third option, if you want to get in on the giveaway, is to email idoubtit at dollamore.com with your name and one reason that you love the show. That will enter you into that second pool of essentially new Patreon supporters to draw from. So we're drawing... Three people from two separate pools, if that makes sense, for a total of six very lucky, very excited, I'm sure, winners of some merch. And it's anything. You can choose a sweatshirt. You can choose a t-shirt. You can choose a mug, a sticker, whatever you want. We're going to message the winners on September 1st, say, hey, your your lucky day, you won. Go to the Teespring store, choose what you want, tell us your size, tell us the color that you want, and we will ship it out to you as a thank you for being a Patreon supporter. So if you choose to support the show, you're entered. And even if you choose not to support the show, <laughs> you're also entered. And if you were waiting for an opportunity, a reason to become a Patreon supporter... Maybe this is the reason for you, an exciting giveaway. We were just talking about the lottery, so we decided it was fitting with the theme. We wanted to do our own (laughs) giveaway. After I shit all over the lottery as being unethical and terrible. Yes, exactly, exactly. Except ours is, is, is lower barrier to entry, and you could feel good about supporting something and not taking advantage of a bunch of people. Yeah. So thank you to those of you who are uh, becoming Patreon supporters for this. And we appreciate everyone who listens to the show. There has been so much happening. And- it's weird how it happens, right? Like <laughs> it, it'll be like a, a, a barren wasteland of a desert where there's no headlines. Nothing's going on. We're like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just like, fuck you. You wanted it. Here it is. Yeah. I, I remember I was on Twitter and I saw the first alert that Donald Trump's home in Palm Beach, Florida, Mar-a-Lago, people were saying M-A-L. I'm not sure that that's Mar-a-Lago. an acronym that we've seen before, but sure, we'll go with it, that his home was searched by the FBI. And boy, was that quite the escalation in the news that day. Yeah, and the the, the, the news has been coming, I was going to say in drips and drabs, but really not in drips and drabs. It's just a fucking fire hose p- 
pointed right at your face and turned on full blast. Yeah. So this investigation is into whether or not Donald Trump took classified information from the White House to his home. Now, let's and let's drill down on that just a little bit to remind you of some of the headlines. It is not like uh, just regular run of the mill classified information. It's not even regular run of the mill top secret information. Some of this was so sensitive, so top secret, that it was not allowed to be even described in public what the contents was. We're talking about national security issues, counterintelligence threats to the United States that Donald Trump threw in a banker's box and brought to Mar-a-Lago with him. As a souvenir. Jeopardizing national security, the former president of the United States. We don't have a copy of the search warrant or the underlying affidavit, Judy. We do think that President Trump, former President Trump and or his lawyers might have at least some of those materials. They have not released them publicly. So far, what we do know from the Trump attorneys and the Trump family members, including Eric Trump, one of the adult sons of former President Trump, is that this appears to have been a court executed search related to the Presidential Records Act and the possible violation of laws related to classified material. We think this all began back in February when the National Archives reported to the Justice Department that something like 15 boxes of information had wrongfully wound up at Mar-a-Lago instead of with the archives. And it set off this entire process that it has included a grand jury investigation and now what appears to be an unprecedented search by the FBI of the property belonging to a former president of the United States. Well, what is so curious among many things about what has happened is that there was this meeting back in the spring and they discussed, as it was reported, as you said, 15 boxes. But now we are told it's been reported by uh, former President Trump's lawyer that they took away another 12 boxes yesterday. So, again, do we have any clue as to what's what this what was here? What kind of records are they looking for? In typical searches, the FBI would leave the owner of the property with an inventory or a kind of written receipt that explained the kinds of things they were taking. In this case, we do believe that happened. But President Trump, former President Trump and his attorney have not released that information. So at this point, it's just not clear whether those 10 or 12 boxes of new materials taken out of the uh, the Mar-a-Lago yesterday contained uh, top secret information, general paperwork, or other items that would be of of less sensitive national security basis. We just don't know. The issue seems to be that most of those materials belong with the National Archives. It's going to take the FBI some period of time to go through all of those materials in a painstaking fashion and figure out what they are and how concerned. But at the very least, it does appear, Carrie Johnson, that there was a disagreement uh, at some level between the former president and the National Archives or some other uh, uh, branch of the federal government that was saying, you have something we think you should have turned over to us. Yeah, we don't know what was in these materials, Judy. What we do know is this is an enormously monumental escalation of the legal process against the former president. And two of my sources seem to suggest it may have taken place in part because the former president, Donald Trump, and his attorneys were not entirely forthcoming with the Justice Department and the FBI and may have been giving them sort of the runaround for a period of weeks or months. So uh, putting the DOJ and the FBI in the position of having to get a magistrate judge to approve uh, this court-executed search, that's not something the Justice Department does every day, certainly not with respect to a former official at this level of the government. We need to find out more. The Justice Department and the FBI, of course, are not commenting at all. And we need to find out more about what was in those materials. It may take former President Trump releasing that information to find out. One thing that's been surprising to me that we're going to talk about as a theme throughout the show is the way the media is covering this. That was fucking terrible. And that was PBS. They're some of the best. That was PBS. And specifically, Judy Woodruff from PBS was interviewing Carrie Johnson from NPR. And later, in a, in a part of the clip that we are not going to be playing on the show, Carrie Johnson from NPR actually says it may just be that the government wants the documents back. That's... That's not what this is about. This isn't about a disagreement between Trump and his lawyers and the National Archives and Records Administration about, hey, that knickknack or that gift that you took 
mm, that's that belongs to to us. This is a national security investigation. There is a guy named Jay Bratt who is who heads up counterintelligence for the Department of Justice, and he's involved in this entire thing. Mm-hmm. We know what this is about, and it's not a disagreement about some plaque that was given to Donald Trump. This is about what belongs to the United States and what isn't. The Donald Trump looks at the presidency as this is just a job he had, and whatever knickknacks he had in his cubicle, they're all his because that's what he did. We're talking about national security, mm-hmm. deep secrets within the intelligence infrastructure of the United States that he very likely had. Now, we don't know the extent, but I can tell you, if you can't even loosely, generally describe the contents of some of the boxes for fear of national security implications, it's not just a disagreement between the Trump team and the National Archives and Records Administration. Well, even the way it was described... Donald Trump's lawyers' interactions with government officials as though they were giving the runaround. Do you mean lying? Do you well, mean actively obscuring and yeah. lying? <laughs> and then she also said, this is an escalation of the legal process against a former president of the United States. You fucking think? Yeah. There's almost been a theme of deference to Donald Trump. Yeah, maybe because of his position as the former president of the United States. But I think that he has proven that he doesn't necessarily need that deference and that it maybe is actually irresponsible to, in your reporting, give some sort of deference to him. Listen, I think that we can put an asterisk next to Donald Trump's tenure as president of the United States. And if you want to show deference to the office of the presidency, do so from any time before January 20th, 2017, and any time after January 20th, 2021. Because during his time, he didn't show fucking deference for the office. Mm-hmm. If you want to offer that, don't do it during the time that Donald Trump was there. And that's, because he wasn't respecting it. Why the fuck should we? And that's not to say that we aren't waiting for evidence. Sure, we want to know what the documents were. And in fact, I think it's important to get into the details of how this actually happened. Here with me now, CNN senior uh, legal analyst and former federal prosecutor, Ellie Honing. Ellie, nice to see you again. What we know... In what we don't know. Yeah. Both very important. So let me start with the easy part of this quiz, what we do know, John. Three things that we know for sure. Prosecutors, first of all, established probable cause that a specific federal crime was committed. They established that it was likely that they would find evidence at the location at Mar-a-Lago. And we know that that was approved by a federal judge. Okay, we have that in place. The rest of this is unanswered. One of the biggest questions, what evidence did prosecutors use to establish that probable cause? Now, the way you do this as a prosecutor is you have to write out what we call an affidavit in support of a search warrant. These documents can be dozens of pages. This is actually the one from the Michael Cohen case, which was over 200 pages long. This is the Rosetta Stone. This will tell us everything we need to know. Who has it, though? Prosecutors have it. The judge has it, but it's what we call under seal, meaning not available to us in the public. Donald Trump does not have this document in his possession. He won't get it unless there ever comes a day when he is charged. So, but he does yes. have something. Exactly. He does have what we call a search warrant. Does he have a copy? Yes. Can he release it? Yes. However, there's fairly limited information in this document. It's one page. This is it. This is a sample of it. It tells you where is to be searched, Mar-a-Lago, what are they looking for? It'll say things like documents, papers, computers. It won't get into specificity usually. Who's the judge and when does the FBI have to conduct the search warrant by? However, sometimes there is an attachment to this and that can tell you here are the crimes that prosecutors allege may have been committed. So Donald Trump does have that document, but it will not give chapter and verse. Another important document that Donald Trump has will answer the question of what did the FBI take from Mar-a-Lago? Now, this is called a return. It's basically an invoice. It's a receipt. The FBI will say, here's what we took out of your property. But again, there is a level of generality to that. They're not going to detail every piece of paper. It will more likely say something like, 12 boxes, X number of laptops, that kind of thing. But Donald Trump has that. He can release that, too. Again, if it's innocuous, though, the warrant itself, 
Why wouldn't he release it? Is it a possibility of an attachment that outlines the crimes? That could well be. I think that would be the most important thing. If there is that attachment, and it fairly frequently does have an attachment to it, it would say, typically, we believe that here's the crimes we established probable cause. Trump may not want that out there. And again, he could release that if he wanted to. Absolutely. So for all the calls from Eric Garland to come out and say something right now, Trump could do that. They both have information, but yes, Trump could release that. All right, what other questions do you have outstanding? So what documents exactly were still at Mar-a-Lago at the moment the search warrant was executed? Now, we know that earlier this year, there were 15 boxes of of documents delivered from Mar-a-Lago to the National Archives. DOJ then obtained those same 15 boxes from the National Archives. Now, DOJ, as our new reporting has shown, started to grow suspicious and learned there were other documents there and started to grow distrustful of the way they were being handled. They went in, did the search warrant, and our reporting now is that DOJ has grabbed about 12 more boxes from Mar-a-Lago. What's in there? We will find out. And then there's a question of, why did DOJ exactly use a search warrant instead of less intrusive means. And there's a really interesting history here. Back in June, there was this, these meetings that Caitlin Collins and others have reported for us where investigators went and met with Trump's team at Mar-a-Lago, saw that there were shown that there were other boxes of documents in the basement. Then the investigators came back and said, hey, throw a padlock on that, save mm-hmm. them for us. So why were investigators okay with that? Why were they okay with those documents staying at Mar-a-Lago for months and months until August 8th, until two days ago, when they executed the search warrant. That's an intrusive means. And I think ultimately DOJ is going to have to justify it. So why? What changed? And again, listen to that last sentence. What are you, John John Berman right now? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did you catch that? Yeah, I'm copying. I'm copying John Berman. So the end of that clip that the DOJ is going to have to justify this, this is another theme in the media reporting on this story is they are taking a page from the Republican playbook that is the DOJ is going to have to answer for this and tell us what's going on, which, of course, we want to know what the evidence is. We're all curious. We all want to know. But it discounts the entire process leading up to getting a search warrant, signing under penalty of perjury, under penalty of law, that these are the facts. This is what we know. And then a judge, knowing what the ramifications are of signing a search warrant for a former president's residence. Right. This wasn't entered into lightly. Mm-hmm. Very likely. I, I Listen, I don't see... I see it as virtually impossible that Merrick Garland himself didn't sign the fuck off on this. That, that just seems unreasonable to me that if they were to search Obama's home, George W. Bush's home, Bill Clinton's home, any living former president, that the highest levels of the Department of Justice wouldn't be attuned to what's going on. Right. Well, let's answer that question at the end of the clip, which was what changed from the period of time where Trump attorneys were meeting with government officials in June to discuss these classified documents? Yes. And the period of time two days ago when the raid happened on his residence. And according to reporting from Newsweek, the raid on Mar-a-Lago was based largely on information from an FBI confidential human source, one who was able to identify what classified documents Donald Trump was hiding and even the location of those documents. Now, this is according to two senior government officials telling this to to Newsweek. Yeah. One of them, they say, is a 30-year veteran of the FBI. So the officials who they say have direct knowledge of the FBI's deliberations and were granted anonymity in order to discuss sensitive matters said the raid of Donald Trump's Florida residence was deliberately timed to occur when the former president was away yeah they, i mean I, I i'm sure it would seem logical to me that that would be based on not wanting some kind of a weird chest you know two groups of individuals chesting each other up mm-hmm. uh, having a, a dick measuring contest between secret service who are there to protect the president and the fbi who are there to execute a search warrant mm-hmm. um and the way that it worked out when Trump wasn't there, there's a skeleton crew of security there who are Secret Service agents, and uh, they let the FBI in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, you are correct, Jesse, that part of the logic there was that they 
wanted to apparently deny Donald Trump a photo op opportunity and also they don't want to give him a platform to grandstand they were hoping that this would be a quote-unquote low-key raid according to the the 30-year veteran of the fbi the source that's quoted in this well the reason we even know about it i mean there was one journalist on the ground um floridapolitics.com or something is his outlet like very small knowing knows who he is um but also donald trump is the one really who announced this and that's how we know yeah i mean I understand that their goal was to keep it low key. I just don't think it's possible. It's, <laughs> For sure, it's not possible. But nice, I mean, listen, nice when you goal, go, I guess when you go and seize the phone of John Eastman, it makes major headlines. When you march on to the home of the former president of the United States of America, there's no fucking chance that somebody's not going to say something, right? So naturally, this has become an opportunity for the Republicans to mobilize the base. And they have been fed talking points from Donald Trump's statements that they are then going out into the world and repeating for all to hear. Republican leaders rallied around former President Donald Trump and demanded investigations after the FBI executed a search warrant at his Florida estate. Every Republican believes that the FBI, when it comes to Trump, and other organizations have lost their mind. You've never done this to a former president. So if this was going to be the case, shouldn't the attorney general lay out to the American people today? Shouldn't that have been the very first thing explaining why? Sources tell CBS News the search was connected to a Justice Department investigation of claims by the National Archives that have found 15 boxes of records at Mar-a-Lago earlier this year. The documents are believed to contain classified information. Trump and federal investigators had been in negotiations over the records and the FBI visited Mar-a-Lago in June. It's certainly a very, very significant development that criminal charges charges are at least being contemplated and are the basis for this unprecedented action by the FBI. Mishandling classified material is potentially criminal. Federal law requires presidential records to be turned over to the National Archives. It is not known what documents were taken by federal authorities Monday. The Justice Department has so far declined to comment. In an interview, Christina Bob, a lawyer for Trump, said investigators revealed they were looking for classified information that they think should not have been removed from the White House as well as presidential records. Now, it is the first time in American history that a search warrant has been issued on a former president. The White House officials say that the President Biden had no prior knowledge of the search, but former President Trump is getting some unlikely support, tweeting out that the DOJ must explain the reason for the search or else it will be viewed as purely politically motivated. Anne-Marie? Well, actually, you know, not the only one saying that. A lot of people say that they have to make sure that they got the goods to do something like this. Trinity, thank you very much. They got the fucking search warrant signed by a judge in sw- with sworn affidavits. We'll find out if. Th- th- are you noticing the theme? Yeah, what in the fuck? Well, a lot of people are, many people are saying. You mean a lot of Republicans, a lot of partisans who are now making the, uh, who are asserting that the FBI planted the information there? That's now the new narrative. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, should tell you just how serious the documents were. Mm-hmm. Because they're now they're saying there's nothing there, nothing there at all. But but if there is, it's because they planted it. Right. They're getting ahead of the story. So when we do find out what was there, they, they're going to claim, oh, no, the FBI planted that there. No way would Donald Trump, who loves the country and loves security and wants to be do everything on the up and up, no way he would have that mm-hmm. at Mar-a-Lago. Right. Well, and in that clip, you heard the first Republican talking was Lindsey Graham, and then you heard Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has gone so far as to say Merrick Garland Preserve your documents, clear your calendar, because essentially when the Republicans take the House, he says, there's going to be problems. We're going to investigate you. Right. And then you have Rand Paul is now going on Fox News, suggesting that evidence was planted. Many Republicans. No evidence. No evidence of it. 
In fact, they're just saying it. Fox News hosts will say that they have a hunch. But you also have Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida calling it a banana republic. You have Senator Marco Rubio saying this is something that we have seen many times from third world Marxist dictatorships. Mm -hmm. You have the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, saying, quote, we must see the probable cause affidavit before making a judgment. There's Republicans just coming out and supporting Donald Trump. And using this, like I said, as an opportunity to mobilize the base. It is disgusting, yet amazing to watch Republicans whine and wail and gnash their teeth about government overreach, about concerning an individual's liberty, mm-hmm. concerning an individual's privacy, yet champion and cel- literally celebrate and dance in the streets about usurping someone's constitutional rights to access to abortion. Mm -hmm. These fucking hypocrites. Well, and on the topic of criticisms for media, I just want to mention this headline from the Washington Post. Garland vowed to depoliticize justice. Then the FBI raided Trump's safe. This thing, then this thing. Oh, it's... What are they doing? Is this just a profit generation model for them to create headlines like this? I it's mean, fucking gross. It's it's scary because what we have is the Republicans are showing that in in typical fashion that they're ready to abandon the rule of law as soon as they are being held accountable. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of been the pattern for the Republican Party and they are threatening retaliation against Merrick Garland. They are actively engaging in undermining our democracy and now they are apparently on the side of defunding the police. (laughs) That's been the greatest part of this. Back of the government. And we don't have control of the government right now. We sit there, I'm in a minority of the minority. We have to get the House back, we have to get the Senate back. And then we have to bring them in, and we have to, there are things you can do. You can do the Holman Rule. You, and that's what you do is you, you start defunding some of these bad agencies, the FBI, yeah. the DOJ. You use the Holman rule to de- defund people who have abused their power. You bring impeachment articles against the judges who have violated due process rights in the federal statutes, on, for instance, on pretrial detention. I'm like Cash. I've gone through a lot of these files. I don't see any basis for, for pretrial detention. That is insurrectionist Andy Biggs, congressman from Arizona, calling to defund the police. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the same, tweeting just plainly, defund the FBI. So when black men are being murdered in the streets while unarmed, George Floyd, I mean, take your pick. Dozens and dozens and dozens. And people who are liberally minded, the left, some would say, when they say defund the police, it is all, this is Marxism, this is lawlessness. But when a white man, a rich white man, who held the most powerful position on the planet, when he starts facing consequences, uh, defund the police quick. Mm-hmm. Just fucking hypocrites. Well, and what do they always say in response to police brutality, police overreach? They always say, obey, yeah. comply. Just comply. Just do as you're told and nothing will happen. Right. And I mean, we are often critical of the police on on this show. We are critical of the police when they overstep, when they violate, when they violate constitutional rights. But... As you continue to emphasize in your videos on YouTube and here on the show, Jesse, this followed a very specific legal pathway. This wasn't done in an unjust manner. This wasn't done in such a way that it is political. In fact, it appears as though uh, the FBI took steps to try to avoid making it political as much as possible. Right. Yeah. The other thing, I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying, don't use the word raid. 
that's given the right ammunition. Hmm. It wasn't a raid by the FBI. When you've got 20 or 30 heavily armed agents of the state executing a search warrant, it's a raid. So I'm not going to, if you, if you execute a search warrant on Donald Trump, it's not a raid. But if you do it to somebody on our side, oh, that's, that's a raid. No, it's a raid. It's a fucking raid. And further, I think that it really lends gravity to the situation that a former president had his home raided by federal authorities for breaking the law or being suspected of criminality. Well, and I think we need to dispense with this. We're giving the right ammunition. It's similar to the, they're going to call Bernie Sanders a socialist. They call everyone a socialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't actually matter. Even around this, you notice that they're saying, this is what happens in Marxist banana republics. Blah, 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 blah. This is socialism. Right. They're trying to indict Joe Biden as being a Marxist. Right. When... He's the one who has said many times, even in his State of the Union address, we're not here to defund the police. We're here to fund the police. He's pro-cop. Yeah. So we are seeing reporting from Fox News, actually, that FBI agents, as well as the U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray, are experiencing an uptick in death threats in the wake of the raid at former President Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. This is according to sources speaking with Fox News. And it's not surprising that this is happening because you have Fox News hosts directly calling this a war. Cause the opposite reaction. I've never seen the base more energized. I've never seen the base more angry. I'm angry. I feel violated. The whole country feels violated. It's disgusting. They've declared war on us, and now it's game on. Imagine you're Eric Trump and you're at Mar-a-Lago. That's your home. Your mother has just died two weeks ago, and they're sending <coughs> FBI agents with weapons into your house, violating your privacy like that. It's unbelievable. I have another imagine scenario for you. Imagine that you have created an entire identity for yourself out of being a cult member of one man in America, and that happens to be Donald Trump. What a nightmare for you. (laughs) Especially a guy who has repeated instances of publicly breaking the law, and then your job as a devotee is to defend that particular dear leader. Yeah, I mean, there were people that went, physically drove to Mar-a-Lago and have been outside across the street, apparently, some distance away from it. Yeah. Out there with their Trump flags and supporting Donald Trump. They're taking time out of their life and their day, which frankly, let them do it because who knows what havoc they would be wreaking on on the people around them. But they, they have created this, like their entire personality, their entire identity is... I'm a Trump supporter. Very fucking weird. It I I don't understand. Well, it's the same people that you see with the with the the the, the, the now it's like fuck Joe Biden or or whatever the fucking stupid saying is the let's go Brandon mm-hmm. Trump 2024 fuck your feelings no more bullshit Trump this Trump photoshopped onto photos of Rambo on Confederate flags and on tanks and it's just it's a weird cult of, of of personality and worship of celebrity that doesn't happen on the other side right we didn't look we ended up voting for biden but we didn't i i owned a couple of bernie shirts i owned an elizabeth warren shirt mm-hmm. shirt Th- those are i don't even own those anymore mm-hmm. we didn't put bumper stickers on our car even yeah the so- flags are fucking weird folks yeah <laughs> and the giant 10-gallon, 20-gallon foam ball cap that says Make America Great Again on it, like that lady had on? Mm -hmm. What is it? Where do you even find that? Yeah, yeah, it's a nightmare. Dumb fucks are us? Where are they selling that shit? So if you're wondering how bad the conspiracy theories are getting, look no further than Alex Jones, who... Just received a consequence for his actions, but a fifty million dollar consequence. Apparently, it didn't have any lasting impact because here he is with Steve Bannon floating a theory that there is a plot to assassinate Donald Trump. And I agree. I do not think it's beyond uh, this administrative state and their deep state apparatus to to actually try to uh, work on the assassination of President Trump. I, I think I think everything's on the table. I think his security ought to be at the highest it's ever been. And, and honestly, I think he ought to, and I think he should have flown down to Mar-a-Lago this morning, walked out there at noon today 
and said, hey, I'm running for president of the United States. Suck on that. Well, that was my next question. So I want to stop it because if you have a, a news program and you're interviewing a former chief aide to the president of the United States, someone who worked in the West Wing and worked closely arm in arm with the president. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he says on your program, talk of a plot to assassinate the former president of the United States. Yeah. The the administrative state and the deep state, they're plotting to murder Donald Trump. Wouldn't you have a follow-up about that? <laughs> Wouldn't you want to say, wait, whoa, holy shit, you've heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Oh, there's an assassination plot against Donald Trump. But that's not what happens. Yeah. He didn't ask a single follow-up about the assassination plot. He didn't have an emotional response yeah. at all. This is what he says. As his former top advisor, what should Trump be doing right now? <laughs> I think what we did, what he should do is action, action, action. I don't think there should be any more of the tweets, no more of the true social stuff. That's all nice. They put out a video last night. No more videos. We're, we're, we're beyond that. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to not just put you in bankruptcy. They're trying to liquidate uh, InfoWars, which is obviously one of the major news sources out there for uh, the MAGA movement. They're trying to liquidate um, InfoWars. They're putting Peter Navarro in chains like a, a common uh, felon, uh, what they did to President Trump is outrageous. Look, you're playing it right now. I think it's a beautiful film, and I, I, I appreciate the people that made it. We're beyond that. We no, I agree. We need to see the general George Washington 2.0 in the field taking it to him. We need, we need to, he needs to get to Mar-a-Lago, the exact place that they desecrated, because it was a desecration. They did it on purpose. They understand um, Mar-a-Lago resonates to not just MAGA, but to the American people, one of the great buildings in this country. Uh, and we've had so many <laughs> iconic moments there with President Xi and, and uh, Abe, who just passed away. Uh, you know, the moment of, of standing up to the North Koreans on, the, on their missile shoots. So many important things happened there to go and desecrate it the way they did, uh, particularly over this administrative issue with the National Archives. They're clearly there. As you know, Alex, on a fishing expedition or on a planning expedition, I wouldn't put it past them to have planned stuff. This is a criminal. The, the FBI and the DOJ are essentially lawless criminal organizations. That's key. Let, let, let's start over there because you're, you're you're laying out a lot of key things second by second. Exactly. How do we know a hundred agents in there with their long history of planning things didn't plant something classified? You're absolutely right. Please. Please listen to how Alex Jones has learned nothing. Yeah. There is an uptick in death threats against Merrick Garland, against Christopher Ray, and they are going this far to talk about how there is an assassination plot against Donald Trump, how they how the people need to protect the desecrated Mar-a-Lago. Desecrated. These people who turn the other way and call the insurrection against the United States of America a trespassing event or a minor vandalism event or a happy family reunion or a typical tourist day, they are bemoaning the quote-unquote desecration of Mar-a-Lago as though it's a sacred American monument. And we see the we see the danger that can be created when Alex Jones goes on his show and propagates falsehoods. We saw it with Sandy Hook. He received a quote unquote consequence this week that was supposed to hopefully curb some of this. It has not. Right. Families had to move like a dozen times right. since Sandy Hook happened because his unhinged followers stalked them, threatened to kill them. Right. And he's continuing to put lives in danger by forwarding these insane, I would call them theories, but there's, they're not even backed by a shred of evidence. Well, and threats of a civil war happened immediately. The, immediately. Night, the night that the raid was happening at Mar-a-Lago, Ben Collins, a senior reporter for NBC News, was on the various 
outlets. He kind of follows white supremacy stuff on the internet. And it was on Reddit. It was on various forums where people were calling for a civil war, talking about war, just like you heard Jesse Waters on Fox News using the word war. Yeah. And you have people who are dangerous, unhinged, motivated, who are going to hear these things and be further radicalized to action. And that is what is scary. I want to say, like, when are they going to learn but they have learned, and this is a strategy. Mm-hmm. They know the chaos that will ensue. They witnessed the insurrection. So if they were surprised by that reaction, they would have tamped down their behavior and their practices. That's not the case. They know it's going to happen, and they want it to happen. Right. So the day after the raid on Mar-a-Lago, you see that, Jesse? Mm. Raid. A Republican congressman, Scott Perry, had his cell phone seized by the FBI. The same Scott Perry who sought a pardon from Donald Trump in the aftermath of the attempt to overthrow the United States government by overturning a free and fair election. That Scott Perry. Well, he put out a lengthy statement describing what happened, and he said, This morning, while traveling with my family, three FBI agents visited me and seized my cell phone. Now he goes on to say, This cell phone is full of information about political activities, personal and private discussions, legislative activities, things he says the government has no business looking into. What we don't know is what the FBI is investigating that led them to Scott Perry's cell phone. We know that Perry was, you know, integral in pushing Donald Trump's uh, claims of a Election fraud. We know that he actually introduced the former president to Jeffrey Clark, who was a Department of Justice official who was little known at the time, who was willing to go along with Donald Trump's election fraud claims and willing to, you know, try to stage a coup essentially at the Justice Department. So it's not clear if it is perhaps related to that. You know, we reported earlier this summer that Jeffrey Clark's home was searched, so he's been under scrutiny from investigators. The other thing we don't know about what's going on with Scott Perry's phone is what investigators will be able to get from it. CNN previously reported that Perry had had a number of discussions with Mark Meadows, the former White House chief of staff, and in those discussions, they used an encrypted messaging app. So we don't know if, you know, those messages could still be on his phone. They they used Signal, wasn't it? They used Signal, right. So we don't know if those could still be on Scott Perry's phone. And again, we don't know if that is what investigators were looking for or if it could be something else altogether. So there are still a lot of questions, but obviously a big deal that they're coming for a sitting congressman's cell phone. Well, listen, Marjorie Taylor Greene is on the case, and she tweeted today. (laughs) (laughs) She tweeted today. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is on the case, everybody. She tweeted today a screenshot of her calling Scott Perry, or at least a contact that she has labeled Scott Perry in her phone and said, I just tried calling the FBI to ask them why they confiscated a sitting member of Congress's personal cell phone. Uh. It rang twice and went to voicemail. So firsthand reporting there from Marjorie Taylor Greene. She really does a bang up job. (laughs) Yeah, I hear a lot of bad things about her. I don't know too much about her, but she seems on the up and up. Yeah. (laughs) No, she does not. Absolutely not. So you think somebody's going to clip that and see, oh, they're fucking rabid MAGA people. Yeah. So in addition to that, Donald Trump appeared for a deposition in New York. Oh, this is yum, 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 yum. Uh, it's so oh, That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 yes. And this is the New York Attorney General Letitia James's investigation of the business practices of Donald Trump and the Trump Organization. And Trump pled the fifth. That's what he decided to do in this case, is not going to answer questions. And according to his statement, he said, I once asked, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated Mm. Mm. witch hunt supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. 
If there was any question in my mind, the raid of my home, Mar-a-Lago, on Monday by the FBI, just two days prior to this deposition, wiped out any uncertainty. There were a lot of commas in that sentence, so it was quite difficult to read. I have absolutely no choice because the current administration and many prosecutors in this country have lost all moral and ethical bounds of decency. Accordingly, under the advice of my counsel and for the above reasons, I declined to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded Mm. to every citizen under the United States Constitution. Good for him. Good for him. You know, when you when you look back on on the things that he said, he's always stuck to that. He's always said, listen, people should be able to exercise the right to to not incriminate themselves by pleading the Fifth Amendment. I mean, here, here's some of it right here. The mob takes the Fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the Fifth so they're not prosecuted. When you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the Fifth, I think it's disgraceful. Have you seen what's going on in front of Congress? Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. You know who didn't take the Fifth Amendment? Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Mr. Hillary Clinton's emails. For hours and hours and hours before the Benghazi investigation committee. Yeah, I think something like 11 hours. Yeah. And like three hours with the FBI. So, So, So listen, I mean, we... We do want, we do have the presumption of innocence in this country and we do have the right against uh, self-incrimination. Yeah. But you don't get to plead the fifth because you just don't feel like it talking. You don't get to plead the fifth if you you don't want to cooperate with the investigation. You do get to plead the fifth if you want to shield yourself from incriminating yourself. Self-incrimination. Meaning you committed a crime And you don't want to talk about it. We have the right to do that. And in a normal criminal investigation, it wouldn't be able to be used against you. But in a civil investigation, uh, it's called adverse inference. And you can, they can use it against him in this civil case. And then also the fact that he pled the fifth is going to lead prosecutors in the other case, which is before the Manhattan DA, to really know where to hone in. Yeah, so unfortunately, in the face of all of this lawlessness in the Republican Party, some of Donald Trump's candidates, Donald Trump-backed candidates, did very well in their Republican primaries on Tuesday. It was another good night for candidates backed by former President Trump in battleground Wisconsin. His choice for governor, Tim Michaels, who falsely claimed the 2020 election was rigged, won the primary over former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Kleefish, who'd been backed by former Vice President Mike Pence. Michaels will face incumbent Democrat Tony Evers in a battle that could forever reshape elections in the state. In the Wisconsin U.S. Senate race, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes won the Democratic primary. He calls himself the other Mandela and would become the state's first black senator if he wins. He'll face off against Senator Ron Johnson, considered the most vulnerable Senate Republican on the ballot this year and one of Trump's biggest supporters. In Washington state, cleaning up contests from last week, another sign of the former president's strength. Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler conceded and will not be on the ballot in November. She was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach the former president after the January 6th riots. Well, now seven of them have either retired or lost their race. Liz Cheney's up next in the Wyoming primary next week. Polls suggest she's also going to lose. Meanwhile, in Vermont, Becca Ballant won the Democratic primary and could make history on two fronts. If she wins her House race in November, she'll become the first woman and the first openly gay person to ever represent the Green Mountain State in Congress. For a state that has a pretty liberal reputation, Emory, important to point out, they've been represented by white guys for most of their history, and Vermont is the last state to elect a woman to Congress. So that would be a big deal. So in the face of everything that you have just heard... Donald Trump and the candidates that he backs and the people who have attempted to deliver consequences for Donald Trump have been punished, cast out of the Republican Party, losing their elections. Liz Cheney next week. Very likely going to lose. And they are she is mounting the same thing we've kind of uh, talked about a little bit uh, relative to Idaho, where Democrats were trying to register as Republicans to keep the most extreme faction out of the part out of the state. 
the same thing she's trying to do in Wyoming is have Democrats register as Republicans to create some kind of a surge for her, but she's it's very likely she's going to lose her seat in Congress because of her stance against Donald Trump. Yeah, and she has said that that's a worthy endeavor, that yeah. that's something that she doesn't have a problem with. So it, it really just goes to show the grip on the Republican Party that Donald Trump does have and how afraid of him they are because their, 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 their supporters, the rank-and-file Republicans across the country, they don't go anywhere else but conservative media for their information. They're only going to Fox News. They're only going to places like uh, OAN and Newsmax. And they're being lied to. They're not only being lied to, they're being whipped into a frenzy about a possible civil war. If you're listening to, to Jesse Waters or, or Ainsley Earhart. What about the country? majority? Okay, the I'm majority. So tired of protecting the minority. It's just gross. Because she suggested the evidence planting today. Yeah, today. Yeah. With yeah. Rand Paul, right. who also chimed in. Yeah. So we are going to continue to talk about what is going on with Donald Trump and the FBI and all of the alleged wrongdoing. <laughs> and we'd love to hear from you, allegedly, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. The Idaho Liberty Dogs. <laughs> what a cool name. Well, it, it just... Our, our audience has to be like, all oh, this fucking Idaho news. Look, look just because you ding-dongs are from Idaho doesn't mean we want to hear about your fascist fuckery state. And we're sorry, but this is the way that the United States is going, and you need to hear about it because there's likely to be a Liberty Dog near you soon. Exactly. So the Idaho Liberty Dogs are now attacking public libraries for their book content, including the Meridian Library, where I used to go when I was a kid. Remember House Bill 666, the one that would put librarians on the legal hook if someone, a child, got their hands on harmful material? Well, it passed Idaho's House in March, but ultimately stalled in the Senate. It then took five tries to pass a budget for the Idaho Commission on Libraries based on a false red flag raised by Republican lawmakers about pornography being in our libraries, dragging the legislative session into the wee hours of one of the last days. Then in May, there was the book ban at Nampa School District Library, sparked by just one parent complaint. And now sites are set on the Meridian Library District, a direction being driven by a conservative group who call themselves the Idaho Liberty Dogs, and they are naming books on shelves that are supposedly indoctrinating children. Here's Andrew Bartline. A trip to the Meridian Library. I think reading is becoming a lost art almost. It's a whole family event for Sandy Maple. Every two weeks or so. And her 11-year-old grandson. He loves to read. Charlie Cohen. When you're just reading, you can just get caught up and forget about things, and you could just picture the story in your mind. Kids walk the aisles, shopping for their next adventure, often right at their fingertips. And that's right where some are starting to draw the line. A little disappointing and shocking that this small but vocal group wants to take such a tremendous asset away from this community. Over the last few library board meetings, board chair Megan Larson says a group of community members claim pornography and indoctrination can be found at the library. So these are the same complaints that public libraries are receiving around the country. The complaints align with this flyer shared by the conservative activist group, the Idaho Liberty Dogs. The flyer calls libraries, quote, grooming locations to indoctrinate young children God and damn. teenagers into the LGBTQ lifestyle. I find it nonsensical. Yes, there are materials in the library that have LGBTQ content because we're responding to what our community is interested in. Not every community member, but certainly our community is interested in a diverse and inclusive collection, and we provide that here at the library. So what are these books? The flyer shared by the Liberty Dogs list five titles gender queer sex is a funny word two boys kissing big hard sex criminals and captain underpants so we actually have the first book checked in right now captain underpants can be found in the children's section but associate librarian nikki kreiner says the book is no more inappropriate than a superhero 
such as Batman. It's kind of silly, um, not something that you would go for highbrow humor, but other than that, it's fine. But what about the graphic novel, Gender Queer? That's going to be over here. It's on the other side of the building. In a noticeably quieter section of the library. <laughs> We're very separate from where our kids are. Separate because these books aren't meant for children in the first place. Everything about it, we try to make sure that it's known as it's an adult book. This is not a children's section. But the book's on the shelf. And here, children do wander. You should be monitoring what your children are reading. Sandy says she hasn't noticed any inappropriate material for her grandkids. And if she did, that doesn't mean she wants the book banned. It's everywhere. A lot of inappropriate stuff in the whole world. Sandy says that just means you should be looking at a different shelf. Not an easy job, but you need to be on top of it. I think if you talk to your kids and they talk to you, then that eliminates a lot of problems. And you should still be the adult. So the same people who used to defend all kinds of vile shit on the airwaves, like uh, Rush Limbaugh and his racism day after day after day, if you don't like it, just turn the channel. You don't like it, turn the channel. They need the the book banned. So no one else has the choice to read it because little Tommy, little Janie, they can't watch, they can't parent well enough to control what they read. It just... Fuck you, you fascist fucks. It's very similar to the outrage over the Cracker Barrel announcement on Facebook (laughs) that they would now be serving impossible sausage. Now, not exclusively serving impossible sausage. It would just become an option for people who prefer that. And the Cracker Barrel audience, patrons, were enraged by this. They freaked out. They, they don't even want people to have another option, even if they're not going to eat it. They now, don't want it to exist for others. Well, I, don't, I don't understand it because, I, look, I'm not a vegetarian, but I like impossible, like the impossible Whopper at, at Burger King, I think is fucking better than the regular Whopper. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, well, one, it's not better for you. It's not lower calorie. It's just not meat. What the fuck is the... Do they also... What? They have lettuce on their hamburgers? Oh, my God! It just... They're they're looking... They're, they're, they're freaking out over something to be outraged about when there's nothing to be outraged about. Gay people exist, folks. Even in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I know you would take the uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad take on things. That, oh, no, we don't have... We don't have a problem with homosexuality in Iran because there are no gay people. <laughs> That's what they want it to be. Uh, they want it to be yeah. some weird fascist state where they can claim that mm-hmm. we don't have a quote-unquote problem with it because it doesn't exist here. Yeah, so KTVB, the outlet that this clip was from, reached out to the Idaho Liberty Dogs for... Arr, 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 arr. for <laughs> A comment, and this was what they wrote back to KTVB. Hi, thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, KTVB is a Marxist leftist propaganda seller who refuses to stay neutral in reporting the quote-unquote news. So we will continue to decline speaking with anyone from your organization until KTVB decides to be honest. Also, any organization with connections to Brian Holmes is not welcomed. We wish you luck and hope you have a great day. Why would they wish them luck if they if, if they defy anything that they stand for? We wish you luck in your Marxist leftist propaganda yeah. selling on KTVB. Right. <laughs> we wish you luck in your endeavor to ruin the country. Yeah. Fucking idiots. So if you are interested, if you live in Meridian, if you live in Idaho and you are wanting to get involved, I would suggest that you do. There is going to be a library board of trustees meeting on Wednesday, August 17th. It's going to be at a the Cherry Lane location which is in Meridian, and also it's going to be on WebEx. If you just Google Board of Trustees meeting August 27th, Meridian, Idaho, it will come up. The information will be there. We'll also put a link to this in the show notes so that you have it. If you live in the area, you want to join, you want to put your thoughts in, you want to go direct in hand-to-hand combat with the Idaho Liberty Dogs on WebEx. You could be the I Doubt It correspondent, our Meridian Idaho correspondent. Yes. So (laughs) Idaho Liberty Dogs, asshole of today. Ugh. All right. Well, let's have a palate cleanser here as we move on. 
taking care of biz. Jeanette McCurdy. Jeanette McCurdy. Jeanette McCurdy. I did not know of Jeanette McCurdy before I read a headline about how she had written a memoir entitled, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, this is Jeanette McCurdy. I know who this is when I saw her picture. Well, it caught my eye because of the title, obviously, but she had a role in on iCarly, which I guess was a Nickelodeon TV show. She was a kid star. She's she, a childhood yeah, star. Yeah, she's the little blonde girl on iCarly. Um, not a show that I was watching, but I recognized her. Yeah. iCarly, I, I, I think, was the girl, the little studious one from School of Rock. Hmm. You know, the... Summer. Summer. That's right. I knew you'd know the name. <laughs> yeah, that, that I, be, I think, is iCarly... And it was like her sidekick. Yeah. So Jeanette McCurdy has written a memoir entitled I'm Glad My Mom Died. And I listened to her talking about her memoir and think that it is an important message that she's trying to get across specifically with why she decided to name the book what she named it. Jeanette McCurdy joins us now. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. You just heard Deb say right there, social media divided over the title. Why so direct? You know, this title is, I get that it's attention-grabbing, but it's also something that I mean sincerely. I'm not saying it at all in a flippant way. And while the response might be divided, I really appreciate the positivity that I've received from a lot of people and the support that I've received from a lot of people. I think that anybody who has experienced parental abuse understands this title. And I think anybody who has a sense of humor understands this title and... I'm not so concerned with the opinions of anybody else because this book is not um, for them. What do you think your mom would say about it? I wouldn't have written the book if my mom were alive. There'd be, I would still have my identity dictated by her. Did your perspective on your mom change at all through the writing process? Oh my God, so much, so much. Grief for me toward my mom used to be really complicated. I'd feel really angry and confused at why I felt angry that I was grieving her. I felt like she didn't deserve my tears and my sadness and she was abusive. But it simplified in a really relieving way and now feels like I'm able to just miss her. And I think that is only possible because of the healing that happened through the writing of the book. You miss her? I do at times, yeah. I do at times. You seem so calm about it now. What do you hope people take away from the book? Do I sing calm? That's great. My heart's kind of beating right now, so that's awesome. I'm hiding it well. Um, I I hope people, you know, I put all of myself into this book, 110% of myself. And I said a lot of things, a lot of uncomfortable truths that are, I think, difficult things to say. The more uncomfortable something was for me to put on the page, the more important it felt for me to put it on the page. That kind of honesty has been truly liberating for me and has led me to a life of fulfillment and authenticity that I hope for everybody. So I hope that people take away the honesty and are maybe inspired to share some of those uncomfortable truths about themselves. You know, you say you're hiding your nerves. Well, it reminds me of something that Miranda Cosgrove said. She said, you don't expect things like this from the person in the room who's making everyone laugh. So what's your advice to people who may seem calm on the outside, may seem funny on the outside, but are struggling inside? You have to make contact with that struggle, I think. I really believe you have to face the parts of yourself. For me, facing the parts of myself that I felt the most shame about, facing those and becoming public with those has been really healing for me and transformative. And so I hope I hope that people consider that for themselves. So I love this for many reasons. One of them is I just love memoirs and learning from other people's life experiences and how they overcame obstacles themselves. And she seems to be in a really good place. And that doesn't mean that she never feels sad or she never feels negative emotions, but it seems like she's come to a place of understanding what has happened to her. Yeah. And I think when someone hears a person say, I'm glad my mom died, for example, that some people react, they kind of open that clip with with the internet being divided. Some people react in a way of that must be unhealthy. Someone who feels sure. that way must be in an unhealthy spot. And I think my experiences as a therapist, that that's 
a healthy response. Not for everybody, sure, but it's a it's a healthy response. It is what healing looks like in some cases for people to be able to say, I'm glad that the person who abused me is no longer here. Yeah. I think it's also great that she's, I was going to say accepting the the conflict or the the the, the complexity mm-hmm. but i don't want to say accepting she's she's acknowledging the complexity that she could be glad that her mom is dead yeah but also yeah I st- there are still times i miss her yeah so it's not as black and white fuck her she's dead i'm so glad yeah i'll never miss her again yeah <laughs> there it's a complex thing yes and i think having someone make that visible for other people allows them to possibly do the same with their own healing. Normalizes it a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so I think of the people that I've worked with who have felt guilt and shame over their own feelings of being happy when someone that abused them passed away mm-hmm. or struggling to reconcile that they're okay with being disconnected from people who hurt them. And I think the more people that come forward and say, I'm happy that the person that abused me is not here anymore. Yeah, that that does sure. normalize and go a long way toward helping other people come to accept and 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 cope with what has happened to them. So a really powerful message. I haven't read the book. I, I do plan to, but you it, have read you have read about some of the instances of the abuse, and it's horrific. I mean, yeah. she grew up a Mormon, and her mom was. I don't know if ritualistically abusive is is accurate, but it's not far off the fucking mark. Yeah. yeah. So good for her for writing the book. It sounds like it was really healing just to go through that process. And maybe be- we'll get on the show. Being outspoken about it is great. And I love the title. So yeah. I very much approve. We'd love to know what you think. You can call, leave us a voicemail, a brief voicemail, 657 464 7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone or just a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you. We appreciate you. Remember, we're having the giveaway we talked about at the top of the show. If you somehow got here without listening to the top of the show, eh, go back and listen to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.